0: The following story is certified grim for violence and adult themes and may not be suitable for all listeners. It's also the longest story in the entire Grimm collection and will take a very long time to read, at least an hour. Make yourselves comfortable. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes. And with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The two brothers. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. There was once upon a time, two brothers, one rich and the other poor. The rich one was a goldsmith and evil-hearted. The poor one supported himself by making brooms and was good and honourable. The poor one had two children who were twin brothers and as like each other as two drops of water. The two boys went backwards and forwards to the rich house and often got some of the scraps to eat. It happened once when the poor man was going into the forest to fetch brushwood that he saw a bird which was quite golden and more beautiful than any he had ever chanced to meet with. He picked up a small stone threw it at him and was lucky enough to hit him but only one golden feather fell down and the bird flew away Was he trying to he was trying to kill it He was trying to kill it yeah 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 You following the uh... I think so I think what's quite intriguing right now is mm-hmm. essentially we have two sets of two brothers and it's like which yeah. two brothers is the story going to be about that's exciting Wow well, I guess I guess we're about to find out <laughs> We certainly are but yeah just to clarify Two older brothers, one rich, one poor. The uh, poor one has two children yeah. who pop over to the evil one's house to s- steal food. Yeah, um, steal food from their goldsmith uncle. Exactly. Poor yeah. dad, just been out into the forest, seen a golden bird and lobbed yeah. a stone in and it. And it's got golden feather. That's it. And they are as alike as two drops of water, which I think means they're yeah. very alike. That's the, that's the thinking. Because it could mean the opposite, I guess. But are two drops of water always alike? I don't know. (laughs) I may be able to shed some light on that later. Okay, great. The man took the feather and carried it to his brother, who looked at it and said, Oh, it's pure gold. And gave him a great deal of money for it. Next day, the poor man climbed into a birch tree and was about to cut off a couple of branches when the same bird flew out. And when the man searched, he found a nest and an egg lay inside it, which was of gold. He took the egg home with him and carried it to his brother, who again said, Oh, it's pure gold. (laughs) Is that all he says? (laughs) (laughs) And gave him what it was worth. I can only say one thing. Warning, brother. Oh, it's all gold. gold. (laughs) No, well, at last, the goldsmith said, I should indeed like to have the bird itself. The poor man went into the forest for the third time and again saw the golden bird sitting on the tree. So he took a stone and knocked it down and carried it to his brother, who gave him a great heap of gold for it. Now I can get on, thought he, and went contentedly home. The goldsmith was crafty and cunning, and knew very well what kind of bird it was. He called his wife and said, Roast me the gold bird, and take care that none of it is lost. I have a fancy to eat it all myself. The bird, however, was no common one, but of so wondrous a kind that whoever ate its heart and liver found every morning a piece of gold beneath his pillow. The woman made the bird ready, put it on the spit, and let it roast. Whoa, okay, there's so much going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. Poor man's caught the golden bird. Yeah. Sold it to his older brother. For, for gold. For gold. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's makes... a weird exchange. Yeah. And now he's going to eat the heart and liver because, as we all know, yeah. If you eat the heart and liver of a golden bird, yeah. every morning there's uh, gold beneath your pillow. And his wife's just put it to roast now. Now it happened that while it was on the fire and the woman was forced to go out of the kitchen on account of some other work, okay. the two children of the poor broom maker, the old poor brother, yep. ran in, stood by the spit and turned it round once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> and as that very moment, two little bits of the bird fell down into the dripping tray one of the boys said, we'll eat these two little bits. I'm so hungry and no one will ever miss them. And these two bits happened to be... Yeah. Oh, he's gone on. <laughs> so they ate the pieces. The woman came back into the kitchen and saw that they were eating something and said, what have you been eating? Two little morsels which fell out of the bird, answered they. Oh, that must have been the heart and the liver, said the woman, quite frightened And so that her husband might not miss them and be angry, she quickly killed a young cock, took out his heart and liver, and put them beside the golden bird. When it was ready, she carried it to the goldsmith, who consumed it all alone and left none of it. Next morning, however, when he felt beneath his pillow and expected to bring out the piece of gold, no more gold pieces were there than had always been there. Oh, no. The two children did not know what a piece of good fortune had fallen to their lot, Next morning, when they arose, something fell rattling to the ground, and when they picked it up, there were two gold pieces. They took them to their father, who was astonished and said, How can that have happened? When next morning they again found two, and so on daily, he went to his brother and told him the strange story. Mm. The goldsmith at once knew how it had come to pass, and that the children had eaten the heart and liver of the golden bird. And in order to avenge himself, and because he was envious and hard-hearted, he said to the father, Your children are in league with the evil one. Do not take the gold, and do not suffer them to stay any longer in your house, for he has them in his power, and he may ruin you likewise. The father feared the evil one, and painful as it was to him, he nevertheless led the twins forth into the forest, and with a sad heart left them there. Don't, don't believe your brother. brother. Especially your evil brother. Yeah, exactly, you must know he's evil. Yes, yeah, so he's abandoned his kids in the forest. Mm. And now the two children ran about the forest and sought the way home again, but could not find it and only lost themselves more and more. But at length, they met with a hunter who asked, To whom do you children belong? We are the poor broommakers' boys. And they told him that their father would not keep them any longer in the house because a piece of gold lay every morning under their pillows. Come, said the hunter, That is not so very bad. If at the same time you keep honest and are not idle... As the good man liked the children and had none of his own, he took them home with him and said, I will be your father and bring you up till you are big. (laughs) That's so weird. (laughs) He said, okay. Thanks, Dad. I'm your new father. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good safeguarding. No. Mm. It's questionable at, at best. But th- this hunter, he seems like a decent chap. Does he though? Because he only agreed <laughs> yes. to take them in after they just told him they like got bits. That's of That's true. That's true. But he said, "You know what? That's not so bad. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think your dad should kick you out for that." Yeah, that's what that's his message. I yeah, don't think yeah, it's yeah. like, "Oh, okay, come back with me." Okay, so he's he's a good he's a goodie. Well, you know, so they're living with him and they learned huntership from him. Huntership. And the piece of gold which each of them found when he awoke was kept for them by him in case they should need it in the future. Oh, so he's got a little trust fund. Nice. When they were grown up, their foster father one day took them into the forest with him and said, Today you shall make your trial shot so that I may release you from your apprenticeship and make you hunters. They went with him to lie in wait and stayed there a long time, but no game appeared. The hunter, however, looked above him and saw a covey of wild geese flying in the form of a triangle, and said to one of them, Shoot me down one from each corner. He did it, and thus accomplished his trial shot. Soon another covey came flying by in the form of the figure two. I guess there's like two straight lines, probably. Oh, right, okay. It's not like like a little geese, like aerobatics display. And they're like, that is weird. <laughs> so it is weird, but they've flown by in the shape of the figure too. Sure. And the hunter bade the other also bring down one from each corner. And his trial shot was likewise successful. Wow. Now, said the foster father, I pronounce you out of your apprenticeship. You are skilled hunters. Thereupon, the two brothers went forth together into the forest and took counsel with each other and planned something. And in the evening when they had sat down to supper, they said to their foster father, We will not touch food or take one mouthful until you have granted us a request. Said he, What then is your request? They replied, We've now finished learning and we must prove ourselves in the world, so allow us to go away and travel. Then spoke the old man joyfully. You talk like brave hunters. That which you desire has been my wish. Go forth. All will go well with you. Thereupon they ate and drank together joyously. Oh, isn't that nice. So they passed the test. Yeah. the hunters and they head off. When the appointed day came, their foster father presented each of them with a good gun and a dog and let each of them take as many of his saved up gold pieces as he chose. Oh, uh, it's like, but then you feel like, oh, okay. So, How many am I supposed to take? Uh, and then you're well, second-guessing yourself. I mean, they are quite heavy, so uh, you wouldn't <laughs> want to be weighed down. <laughs> Look, if you think you want to take all of your share right now, yeah. that's up to you. Oh, what am <laughs> I supposed to do? At least I'll have more food in the house, because uh, it's been quite expensive raising your boys. <laughs> um. But... Each got a dog and a gun now. Then, uh, once they'd done all that, then the, uh, the, the hunter, foster father, accompanied them a part of the way, and when taking leave, he gave them a bright knife and said, "'If ever you separate, stick this knife into a tree "'at the place where you part. "'And when one of you goes back, "'he will be able to see how his absent brother is faring. "'For the side of the knife, "'which is turned in the direction that he went, "'will rust if he dies.' but will remain bright as long as he's alive. Oh, he's got magic knife. That's nice. So, yeah, they've waved off foster dad. Yeah, bye. Thanks for raising us. (laughs) Have a nice life. (laughs) Yeah, and now they're on their way. Yeah. The two brothers went still farther onwards and came to a forest which was so large that it was impossible for them to get out of it in one day. So they passed the night in it and ate what they had put in their hunting pouches But they walked all the second day likewise, and still did not get out. As they had nothing to eat, one of them said, "'We must shoot something for ourselves, or we shall suffer from hunger,' and loaded his gun and looked about him. And when an old hare came running towards them, he laid his gun to his shoulder, but the hare cried, "'Dear hunters, do but let me live. Two little ones to you I'll give,' and sprang instantly into the thicket and brought two young ones. But the little creatures played so merrily and were so pretty that the hunters could not find it in their hearts to kill them. What is happening? They therefore kept them with them, and the little hares followed on foot. <laughs> <laughs> so a talking hare, a talk, an old talking hare runs up to them. An old, uh, an old hare, yeah, an old talking hare. Yeah, it's an old talking hare. Yeah. And he says, no, don't shoot me. I've got yeah. two little children for you to shoot. And, and then the brothers are like, oh, Aww, you're so cute. And so now each brother has a dog and a hare. That's it. That's it. Right. Okay, I guess okay. we don't have time to dwell on that. No, we, we really don't, Adam, because <laughs> soon after this, a fox crept past. Okay. They were just going to shoot it, but the fox <laughs> cried, Dear hunters, do but let me live. Two little ones I'll also give. Okay, I see a pattern. He too brought two little foxes, and the hunters did not like to kill them either, but gave them to the hares for company, and they followed behind. Gave them to the hares? <laughs> hey, do you want this? Oh, yeah. It was not long... Before a wolf strode out of the thicket, the hunters made ready to shoot him. But the wolf cried, Dear hunters, do but let me live. Two little ones I'll likewise give. The hunters put the two wolves beside the other animals and they followed behind. Then a bear came who wanted to trot about a little longer and cried, Dear hunters, do but let me live. Two little ones I too will give. The two young bears were added to the others (laughs) and there were already eight of them. At length, who came? a lion came of and tossed his mane. <laughs> but, the hunt- but the hunters hello, <laughs> did not let themselves be frightened, and aimed at him likewise. But the lion also said, "Dear hunters, do, but let me live two little ones I too will give." And he brought his little ones to them. And now the hunters had two lions, two bears, two wolves, two foxes, and two hares, who followed them and served them. And they went in two by two into the (laughs) ark. Hurrah, hurrah. What? Okay. But, you know, that's all well and good. But in the meantime, their hunger was not appeased by this. No. And they said to the foxes, Listen, cunning fellows, provide us with something to eat. You're crafty and deep. Mm. They replied, Not far from here lies a village from which we have already brought many a fowl." We will show you the way there. So they went into the village, brought themselves something to eat, had some food given to their beasts and then travelled onwards. The foxes, however, knew their way very well about the district and where the hen houses were and were able to guide the hunters. Now they travelled about for a while but could find no suitable place where they could remain together. So they said, There is nothing else to do, we must part. They divided the animals so that each of them had a lion, a bear, a wolf, a fox and a hare. Then they took leave of each other, promised to love each other like brothers till their death, and stuck the knife which their foster father had given them into a tree, after which one went east and the other went west. Don't actually understand why they can't stay together. It's like, it's impossible for us to be together here. (laughs) No, the the story just didn't think it necessary to give us a good reason. It's just like, no, just, just, okay, just take it as read. They can't. They can't find a suitable place. No, it's, it's just can't. So, just, I mean, they have a lot of animals to be fair, a lot of pets. Yeah. I mean, you're going to struggle to get a gaff that could take all that. Are they pets? Are they like little animal disciples? <laughs> they are. Well, that's it. I mean, so Adam, we've got two brothers going off into the world. Each of them has like a line of animal disciples yeah. behind them. A dog, a hare, a fox, a, a wolf, wolf, a bear, a bear, and, bear lion. and a lion. Wow. Quite, quite the sight, quite the image. Quite the image, wow! Imagine what they're all going to get up to. Hopefully, some oh, oh. some hijinks. You don't know the half of it, buddy. <laughs> I don't know any of it. Right. Well, let's we check in with the younger brother. Let's see uh, what he's doing. Let's do it. Wait, they're twins. Yeah. Well, yeah. They came out slightly, uh, yeah, sure. different times. Sure, sure, sure. The younger, however, arrived with his beasts in a town which was all hung with black crape. He went into an inn and asked the host if he could accommodate his animals. The innkeeper gave him a stable, where there was a hole in the wall, and the hare crept out and fetched himself the head of a cabbage, and the fox fetched himself a hen, and when he had devoured that, got the cock as well. But the wolf, the bear and the lion could not get out because they were too big. Then the innkeeper let them be taken to a place where a cow was just then lying on the grass that they might eat till they were satisfied. (laughs) That's what... (laughs) It's (laughs) it's gone off the rails. It's totally gone off the rails. We we need to understand how they're eating this evening. Okay. And when the hunter... You know, the hunter's taking care of the animals, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the hunter had taken care of his animals, he asked the innkeeper why the town was thus hung with black crepe. Said the host, Because our king's only daughter is to die tomorrow. What? The hunter inquired if she was sick unto death. No, answered the host. She is vigorous and healthy. Nevertheless, she must die. How is that? asked the hunter. There is a high hill outside the town where dwells a dragon who every year must have a pure virgin or he will destroy the whole country. <laughs> And now all the maidens have already been given to him and there is no longer anyone left but the king's daughter. Yet there is no mercy for her. She must be given up to him and that is to be done tomorrow. Said the hunter, why is the dragon not killed? Good question. Ah, replied the host. So many knights have tried it, but it's cost all of them their lives. Mm. The king has promised that he who conquers the dragon shall have his daughter as wife and shall likewise govern the kingdom after his own death. The hunter said nothing more to this. (laughs) (laughs) Just turned around and walked off. But next morning, morning, took his animals and with them ascended the dragon's hill. This is epic. This is totally, totally epic. A little church stood at the top of it. And on the altar, three full cups were standing with the inscription, whoever empties the cups will become the strongest man on earth and will be able to wield the sword which is buried before the threshold of the door. The hunter did not drink, but went out and sought for the sword in the ground, but he was unable to move it from its place. Then he went in and emptied the cups, and now he was strong enough to take up the sword, and his hand could quite easily wield it. Is this... have I seen this in like Indiana Jones or something? <laughs> I'm sure I've seen this before. Yeah, it's a bit Excalibur-like, right? Yeah. The sword in the stone. You're thinking of Indiana Jones where it's like um, you've got to choose the cup of Christ. That, yeah, something like that. Yeah. You chose poorly. You just, yeah. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. But anyway, he's, he's got the sword now and he's ready. Okay. When the hour came when the maiden was to be delivered over to the dragon, the king, the marshal, and the courtiers accompanied her. From afar she saw the hunter on the dragon's hill and thought that it was the dragon standing there for her and did not want to go up to him. But at last, because otherwise the whole town would have been destroyed, she was forced to go the miserable journey. The king and courtiers returned home full of grief. The king's marshal, however, was to remain and see all from a distance. Right, make sure it all goes down as planned. Yeah. When the king's... But the king king just can't deal with it. No, no, he doesn't want to watch this. No, no, no. Can you blame him? No, no, I I actually can't. No, well don't then. (laughs) I'm not going to. (laughs) He's blameless. Just go easy on the king, right? When the king's daughter got to the top of the hill, it was not the dragon which stood there, but the young hunter who comforted her and said he would save her, led her into the church and locked her in. (laughs) 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 Right, that's got rid of her. Um, Right, come on, lads. It was not long before the seven-headed dragon came there with loud roaring... Are you ready for this, Adam? I'm so ready for this. It's, it's on. A showdown between the hunter and a seven-headed dragon. <sighs> and the king's daughter locked in the church. When the dragon perceived the hunter, he was astonished and said, What business have you here on the hill? The hunter answered, I want to fight with you. <laughs> He's low. Said the dragon, many knights have left their lives here. I shall soon have made an end of you too. And he breathed fire out of seven jaws. The fire was to have lighted the dry grass and the hunter was to have been suffocated in the heat and smoke. But the animals came running up and trampled out the fire. Hey! (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Gotta try a bit harder than that dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Then the dragon rushed upon the hunter, but he swung his sword until it sang through the air and struck off three of his heads. Then the dragon grew right furious and rose up into the air and spat out flames of fire over the hunter and was about to plunge down on him. But the hunter once more drew out his sword and again cut off three of his heads. The monster became faint and sank down. Nevertheless, it was just able to rush upon the hunter, but with the last of his strength, he slashed its tail off. And as he could no longer fight, he called up his animals who tore it in pieces. They've torn the dragon to pieces. Wow. Yeah. So I think there was one head left, but the hunter's just exhausted. So he's like, can you finish him off, guys? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. No problem. When the struggle was over... He's done it, man. That's incredible. What a fight. What a job. That's just epic. When the struggle was over, the hunter unlocked the church and found the king's daughter lying on the floor as she had lost her senses with anguish and terror during the contest. Okay. He carried her out, and when she came to herself once more and opened her eyes... He showed her the dragon, all cut to pieces, and told her that she was now safe. She rejoiced and said, Oh, now you'll be my dearest husband, for my father has promised me to whoever kills the dragon. Thereupon, she took off her necklace of coral and divided it amongst the animals in order to reward them. And the lion received the golden clasp. Her pocket handkerchief, which bore her name, she gave to the hunter. Who went and cut the tongues out of the dragon's seven heads, wrapped them in the handkerchief, and preserved them carefully? That's so weird. Okay, so yeah, she's given him a handkerchief. Yeah, that's quite nice. He's like, oh, this, this, this is nice. A little monogram like handkerchief. That's yeah, a little sort of lovely token of her affection. Well, this beautiful princess. I'll Tell you what, I'm gonna do with this. I'm gonna wrap the seven dragon tongues in it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sure it'll wash oh. out. Be fine. Don't worry. It's just to transport them. Oh, yeah. Are you sure I love that's, the gift. But I've, okay. No, no, love it. Love it. It's great. I love a hanky, but, you know. I've, I've already got a hanky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this, I'm not sure about this colour. It's not really my no, colour. It's not really but me. So it's probably best used for this. As he was so faint and weary with the fire and the battle, he said to the maiden, We are both faint and weary. We will sleep a while. Then she said, Yes. What is he trying to hypnotise her? What's going on here? Well, And they lay down on the ground hmm. and the hunter said to the lion <laughs> We'll clear off a minute, will you? <laughs> keep a watch out on the door. Well, y- you shall keep a watch that no one surprises us in our sleep. Okay. And both fell asleep. Hmm. It's not much of a <laughs> subtext here, is it? The, 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 lion, the lion the lion the lion's like yes animal mate the lion yeah, don't worry. the lion lay down beside them to watch <laughs> <laughs> the lion's like yes animal don't let me disturb you two we're all very tired <laughs> don't mind if I do lie just here but he was like, No no no, watch the other way so no one comes. To the... <laughs> yes, I understood. <laughs> so yeah, the lion lay down to watch him. But he was also so weary with the fight that he called to the bear and said <laughs> Hey, you wanna come in here, mate? Someone going down. Lie down near to me. I must sleep a little. If anything comes, wake me. Then the bear lay down beside him. But he was also tired, and called the wolf and said, Lie down by me. "'I must sleep a little, but if anything comes, wake me.' "'Then the wolf lay down by him, but he was tired likewise, "'and called the fox and said, "'Lie down by me, I must sleep a little. "'If anything comes, wake me.' (laughs) "'Then the fox lay down beside him, but he was too weary, "'and called the hare and said, "'Lie down near me, I must sleep a little, "'and if anything should come, wake me.' "'Then the hare sat down by him, "'but the poor hare was tired too, "'and had no one whom he could call there to keep watch, "'and fell asleep.' So this is a series of people just shirking their responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. This is terrible. Mm. And now the king's daughter, the hunter, the lion, the bear, the wolf, the fox and the hare were all sleeping a sound sleep. Nice. The marshal, however, who was to look on from a distance, took courage when he did not see the dragon flying away with the maiden and finding that all the hill had become quiet, ascended it. There lay the dragon, hacked and hewn to pieces on the ground and not far from it were the king's daughter and a hunter with his animals, and all of them were sunk in a sound sleep. And as he was wicked and godless, he took his sword, cut off the hunter's head, and seized the maiden in his arms and carried her down the hill. (gasps) No! No! He's going to take credit for this! No! He's murdered the hunter. Yeah! That's... Oh. she awoke and was terrified but the marshal said you were in my hands you shall say that it was I who killed the dragon <sighs> I cannot do that she replied for it was the hunter and his animals who did it then he drew his sword and threatened to kill her if she did not obey him and so compelled her that she promised it is the prize her hand in marriage mm-hmm. it's a good way to start your marriage yeah and you're the heir to the throne as well no that is not a good way to start a marriage just threatening her with it. yeah let's just oh dear no, the stakes are high. You know, he wants the kingdom. He didn't He didn't kill the animals, did he? No. Okay. Then the marshal took her to the king, who did not know how to contain himself for joy when he once more saw his dear child alive, whom he had believed to have been torn to pieces by the monster. The marshal said to him, I have killed the dragon and delivered the maiden and the whole kingdom as well. Therefore, I demand her as my wife, as was promised. Oh, absolute scumbag. The king said to the maiden, Is what he says true? Uh... Yes, <laughs> she answered. It must indeed be true, but I will not consent to have the wedding celebrated until after a year and a day. For she thought that in that time she could hear something from her dear hunter. She doesn't know he's been decapitated. Oh, right. All so, right, oh, right. Okay. Mm. So, so she's, she's bought herself some time. Yeah, yeah. Smart. A year and a day. Yeah. The animals, however, were still lying sleeping beside their dead master on the dragon's hill and there came a great bumblebee that alighted <laughs> on the hare's nose. <laughs> you can never tell where the story no, is sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a load of sleeping animals and yeah. a bumblebee on a hare's nose. Yeah. But the hare wiped it off with his paw and went on sleeping. The bumblebee came a second time, <laughs> but the hare rubbed it off and slept on. Then it came for the third time and stung his nose so that he awoke. Yeah. As soon as the hare was awake, he roused the fox, and the fox the wolf, and the wolf the bear, and the bear the lion. And when the lion awoke and saw that the maiden was gone and his master was dead, he began to roar frightfully Mm. and cried, Who has done that? Bear, why did you not wake me? The bear asked the wolf, Why did you not wake me? And the wolf, the fox, Why did you not wake me? And the fox, the hare, Why didn't you wake me? The poor hare alone did not know what answer to make, and the blame rested with him. Then they were just going to fall upon him, but he entreated them and said, don't don't kill me I'll bring our master back to life again I uh, know a mountain on which a root grows which when placed in the mouth of anyone cures him of all illnesses and every wound but the mountain lies 200 miles from here the lion said you have 24 hours to run there and come back and bring the root with you then the hare sprang away and in 24 hours he was back and brought the root with him (laughs) okay that's just exactly what the lion asked yeah the lion put the hunter's head on again, and the, <laughs> no. and the hare placed the root in his mouth, and immediately everything united together again, and his heart beat, and life came back. He's back. Yes. Then the hunter awoke, and was alarmed when he did not see the maiden, and thought, Oh, she must have gone away while I was sleeping in order to get rid of me. Oh. The lion, in his great haste, had put his master's head on the wrong way round. (laughs) For goodness sake. But the the hunter did not observe it because of his melancholy thoughts about the king's daughter. (laughs) He's so heartbroken, he doesn't realise his head's on back to front. That's extraordinary. But at noon when he was going to eat something, he saw that his head was turned backwards and could not understand it and asked the animals what had happened to him in his sleep. So like, what's going on here? He's trying to pick up the knife and fork. Just like, what? Hang on a second. So like, could you just get me a mirror? Because this is going to be tricky. What has happened here? The lion told him that they too had all fallen asleep from weariness and on awaking had found him dead with his head cut off that the hare had brought the life-giving root and that he, in his haste, had laid the head the wrong way round, but that he would repair his mistake. Then he tore the hunter's head off again and turned it round and the hare healed it with the root. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be so painful. Ripped his head off. <laughs> turned it round. No general anaesthetic, just <sighs> rip it straight off. Wow. It's oh, this, this just, I don't, I don't even know. Let's just let's take a breather here. Okay. Let's just catch catch up catch up with ourselves and with the story. Sure. Because I'd say we're probably about halfway. We're we're past halfway, but okay, n- not passive. by much. Okay. Uh, so I just want to check we're we're doing okay. I'm doing great. Excellent. Doing really well. Where where are we at? Headline is one of the brothers with his animal retinue. Turned up in a town. Yeah. And it he, he's well, they had a dragon problem. There's a dragon problem. Dragon's gonna kill the beautiful princess. He's gonna save the princess. He slays the dragon with the help of his animal friends. Yeah. They lie down to have a kit. Everyone thinks someone else is watching their back, but they all fall asleep. The I can't remember what Marshall. it's called. The marshal comes along an absolute devious terrible man that he is, he cuts the hunter's head off and Claims that that victory for himself says, I oh, was the one that slayed the dragon, grabs takes the princess. her yeah. back to the king. Meanwhile, the animals wake up and go, Uh oh, Masters had his head cut off, right here, run off to the mountain and get this magic root to, to fix him. <laughs> He's like, Yes, yeah, animal, no literally just comes back within 24 hours, got the root, and they put his head back on back to front and he comes back to life, realizes it's back to front, and they've just repaired that situation. And now He's back to life. Mm -hmm. His head's on the right way round, And I'd like to think a little bit of vengeance is going to go down. But who knows? Who knows? So do I. We're all all hoping for that, Adam. Yeah. However, he thinks the princess has left him. He's sad. That's true. That's why he's got his drooping head with his arms behind him. Just like, oh, she left (laughs) me. And then he didn't realise until he went to eat something. (laughs) He's like, well, hang on a second. He must have been walking backwards towards <laughs> that it. That's so weird. Hang on what? <laughs> Wait, guys, what happened while I was asleep? Be honest. Well, you got decapitated. We tried to fix the problem. Try not to freak out. <laughs> yes. Now, this is going to sound extreme. You're not going to like it. So, um... Oh, she said like a year and a day. Give me a year and a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get married. (sighs) Let us continue there. Let's see what's going to happen. So he's all back together. But the hunter, however, was sad at heart and travelled about the world and made his animals dance before people. (laughs) (laughs) No. The younger hunter and his amazing, magical dancing menagerie. Come see the amazing, (laughs) magical dancing menagerie. (laughs) It came to pass that at precisely the end of one year he came back to the same town where he had delivered the king's daughter from the dragon and this time the town was gaily hung with red cloth So he's been travelling around with his magical yeah. menagerie and just ended up back there and there's red cloth everywhere this time Significant that it's one year exactly Exactly one year So there's And if one, you remember Yeah She said a year and a day we'll get married It's T minus one day to the wedding and, it, yeah, and he's there and he's seen its red cloth and he said to the host, What does this mean? Last year the town was all hung with black crepe. What means the red cloth today? The host answered, Last year our king's daughter was to have been delivered over to the dragon, but the marshal fought it and killed it, and so tomorrow their wedding is to be solemnized. And that is why the town was then hung with black crape for mourning and is today covered with red cloth for joy. It's Red Cloth Joy? I'm not sure about Well, apparently. That. And the I hunter's like, like, oh, that makes sense. That's some <laughs> <Yeah>. great exposition. <laughs> yeah. It's the same uh, same host as well as last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's convenient. He loved that inn. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's privy to, the, uh, to what's happening now. <sighs> he's not going to like that. Next day, when the wedding was to take place, the hunter said at midday to the innkeeper... Do you believe, Sir Host, that while with you here today, I shall eat bread from the king's own table? Nay, said the host. I'd bet a hundred pieces of gold that that will not come true. The hunter accepted the wager and set against it a purse with just the same number of gold pieces. Then he called... that's how a wager works. Yep. (laughs) That well explained. Thank you, (laughs) Grimms. Then he called the hare and said, Go, my dear runner and fetch me some of the bread which the king is eating. Now, the little hare was the lowest of the animals, and could not transfer this order to any of the others, but had to go on foot himself. Alas, thought he, if I bound through the streets thus alone, the butcher's dogs will be after me. It happened as he expected, and the butcher's dogs came after him and wanted to make holes in his good skin. Oh, no. But he sprang away, have you ever seen one running? And sheltered himself in a sentry box, without the soldier being aware of it. Yes, I have. (laughs) Then the dogs came and wanted to have him out, but the soldier did not let them pass and struck them with the butt end of his gun till they ran away yelling and howling. As soon as the hare saw that the way was clear, he ran into the palace and straight to the king's daughter, sat down under her chair and scratched at her foot. Then she said, Oh, will you get away? (laughs) Because she thought it was her dog. Oh, right. Okay. The hare scratched her foot for the second time and she again said, Oh, we well, get away, and thought it was her dog. It says that again, <laughs> <laughs> just in case we hadn't gotten done. Yeah, yeah, but the hare did not let itself be turned from its purpose and scratched her for the third time. Then she peeped down and knew the hare by her necklace, because she gave them all a little bit of a necklace. Oh, of course, she took him on her lap, carried him into her chamber, and said, "Dear hare, what do you want?" He answered. My master, who killed the dragon, is here, and has sent me to ask for a loaf of bread, like that which the king eats. Then she was full of joy, and had the baker summoned, and ordered him to bring a loaf such as that eaten by the king. The little hare said, But the baker must likewise carry it there for me, that the butcher's dogs may do me no harm. The baker carried it for him as far as the door of the inn, and then the hare got on his hind legs, took the loaf in his front paws, and carried it to his master.' <laughs> Said the hunter, "See, sir host, the hundred pieces of gold are mine." The host was astonished, but the hunter went on to say, "Yes, sir host, I have the bread, but now I will likewise have some of the king's roast meat." This isn't how I thought it was going to go. <laughs> it's pretty weird. I thought we were facing up for a showdown. He's just getting—he's uh, just gambling and getting free food. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, let's see how it plays out.
0: Oh, excellent. I mean, that's better than what you were imagining. Oh, right? totally. I'm sure, yeah. The host said, oh, I should indeed like to see that. But he would make no more wages.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs>
0: he's been burnt. The hunter called the fox and said, My little fox, go and fetch me some roast meat such as the king eats. The red fox knew the byways better, and went by holes and corners without any dog seeing him, seated himself under the chair of the king's daughter, and scratched her foot. Then she looked down and recognised the fox by its necklace, took him into her chamber with her, and said, "'Dear fox, what do you want?' He answered, "'My master who killed the dragon is here and has sent me. I am to ask for some roast meat such as the king is eating.' Then she made the cook come, who was obliged to prepare a roast, the same as was eaten by the king, and to carry it for the fox as far as the door. Then the fox took the dish and with his tail waved away the flies, which had settled on the meat, and carried it to his master. (laughs) That's a good little detail. It's a lot of good little details in this story. (laughs) Look, Sir Host, said (laughs) the hunter. (laughs) "Let me over here. Hello. Bread and meat are here, but now I'll also have proper vegetables with it, such as those eaten by the king. Then he called the wolf and said, Dear wolf, go there and fetch me vegetables such as the king eats. Then the wolf went straight to the palace as he feared no one. And when he got to the king's daughter's chamber, he twitched at the back of her dress so that she was forced to look round. She recognised him by his necklace and took him into her chamber with her and said, Dear wolf, what do you want? He answered, My master who killed the dragon is here and I'm to ask for some vegetables such as the king eats. Then she made the cook come and he had to make ready a dish of vegetables such as the king ate, and had to carry it for the wolf as far as the door. And then the wolf took the dish from him and carried it to his master. See, sir host," said the hunter. "Now I have bread and meat and vegetables, but I'll also have some pastry to eat like that which the king eats. That he's about to get kicked out of this place. <laughs> the, right. host, the host, at this point, do, do, are people not thinking? What's what is the bride doing on a wedding day? Why does yeah. she <laughs> keep disappearing in a room? Yeah, that's true, because I'm guessing they're like at the wedding party, kind yeah. of like greeting everybody. Yeah. And then her dress is just being tugged from behind. She's like, excuse, yeah. excuse me. It's head, sorry. sorry, everyone. I just need to go back to my room. She's carrying, she's carrying a bunny in her arms. <laughs> um, Was that a wolf? Now it's, yeah, so now he's going to get some pastry to eat, like the king. Excellent. He called the bear. Naturally. And said, dear bear, you are fond of licking anything sweet. Go and bring me some confectionery, such as the king eats. Adam's face. You were going to sip some tea and <laughs> <Yeah>. then stopped. <laughs> I nearly spat out my tea. Then, <laughs> Like Winnie the Pooh, basically. Yeah, yeah. Loves honey. Bears oh. love honey. Yeah, yeah. Then the bear trotted to the palace and everyone got out of his way. But when he went to the guard, they presented their muskets and would not let him into the royal palace. Oh, no. But he got up on his hind legs and gave them a few boxes on the ear, right and left, with his paws, so that the whole watch broke up. And then he went straight to the king's daughter, placed himself behind her, and growled a little. (laughs) (laughs) Then she looked behind her, knew the bear, and bade him go into her room with her, and said, Dear bear, what do you want? He answered, My master who killed the dragon is here, and I'm to ask for some confectionery, such as the king eats. Then she summoned her confectioner who had to bake confectionery, such as the king ate, and carry it to the door for the bear. Then the bear first licked up the sugar drips which had rolled down, (laughs) and then he stood upright, took the dish and carried it to his master. Behold, Sir Host, said the hunter, now I have bread, meat, vegetables and confectionery, but I'll drink wine also, such as the king drinks. He called his lion to him and said, Dear lion, you yourself like to drink till you're intoxicated. Go and fetch me some wine, such as that which is drunk by the king. Then the lion strode through the streets, and the people fled from him. And when he came to the watch, they wanted to bar the way against him. But he did but roar once, and they all ran away. Then the lion went to the royal apartment and knocked at the door with his tail. Then the king's daughter came forth. I think she's just, she's just in her room now. She's given up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knows everyone's going to be coming. And she was almost afraid of the lion. But she knew him by the golden clasp of her necklace, and bade him go with her into her chamber, and said, Dear lion, what will you have? He answered, My master who killed the dragon is here, and I am to ask for some wine, such as the king drinks. Then she bade the cupbearer be called, who was to give the lion some wine like that which was drunk by the king. The lion said, I will go with him and see that I get the right wine. <laughs> I'm sorry, this appears to have corked. Well, we know he likes a drink. Yeah, so we've <laughs> he been told. what talking about. So, yeah, he, exactly. Then he went down with the cupbearer, and when they were below, the cupbearer wanted to draw him some of the common wine that was drunk by the king's servants. But the lion said, Stop, I will taste the wine first. And he drew a half measure and swallowed it down at one gulp. No said he. That is not right. The cup-bearer glared at him, but went on, and was about to give him some out of another barrel, which was for the king's marshal. The lion said, stop, let me taste the wine first, and drew half a measure and drank it. "Mm, That is better, but still not right, said he. Then the cup-bearer grew angry and said, how can a stupid animal like you understand wine? But the lion gave him a blow behind the ears, which made him fall down by no means gently. And when he had got up again, he conducted the lion quite silently into a separate little cellar, where the king's wine lay, from which no one ever drank. The lion first drew half a measure and tried the wine. And then he said, That may possibly be the right sort. And bade the cupbearer fill six bottles of it. And now they went upstairs again. But when the lion came out of the cellar into the open air, He reeled here and there and was rather drunk. And the cupbearer was forced to carry the wine as far as the door for him. And then the lion took the handle of the basket in his mouth and took it to his master. (laughs) He's got a basket of (laughs) wine. He's got a whole case of six bottles of wine. I mean, that's the sort of details we're here for, isn't it? Absolutely. A drunk lion carrying a case of wine. Wow. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The hunter said, (laughs) last time. (laughs) Okay, good. Look, Sir Host, here I have bread, meat, vegetables, confectionery and wine, such as the king has. And now I'll dine with my animals. And he sat down and ate and drank and allowed the hare, the fox, the wolf, the bear and the lion also to eat and drink and was joyful. For he saw that the king's daughter still loved him. So he's learnt that, oh, this is a test. In order to get that, the princess had to help out. Yeah. And when he'd finished his dinner, he said... Sir host, now I have eaten and drunk, as the king eats and drinks, and now I'll go to the king's court and marry the king's daughter. Said the host, How can that be, when she already has a betrothed husband, and when the wedding is to be solemnized today? Then the hunter drew forth the handkerchief which the king's daughter had given him on the dragon's hill, and in which were folded the monster's seven tongues, and said, That which I hold in my hand shall help me to do it. Then the innkeeper looked at the handkerchief and said, whatever I believe, I do not believe that. And I'm willing to stake my house and courtyard on it. The hunter, however, took a bag with a thousand gold pieces, put it on the table and said, I stake that on it. So they've had another little flutter there, having a little gamble. What's the gamble? I don't understand that one. That he's going to marry the princess. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Now now we're going to go over to the palace, Adam. So the king said to his daughter at the royal table, what did all the wild animals want, which have been coming to you and going in and out of my palace? She replied, "I may not tell you, but send and have the master of these animals brought, and you will know the king sent a servant to the inn and invited the stranger, and the servant came just as the hunter had laid his wager with the innkeeper. Then he said, "Now, sir host, the king sends his servant and invites me, but I do not go in this way and he said to the servant. I request the Lord King to send me royal clothing and a carriage with six horses and servants to attend me. When the king heard the answer, he said to his daughter, well, what shall I do? She said, have him fetched as he desires to be and you will do well. Then the king sent royal apparel, a carriage with six horses and servants to wait on him. When the hunter saw them coming, he said, see, sir host, now I'm fetched as I desire to be. And he put on the royal garments, took the handkerchief with the dragon's tongues with him and drove off to the king. So he's got, he's all dre- dressed up nice now. Yeah, nice. When the king saw him coming, he said to his daughter, how shall I receive him? She answered, go to meet him and you will do well. <laughs> it's like the king's a bit nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Then the king went to meet him and led him in and his animals followed. The king gave him a seat near himself and his daughter and the marshal, as the bridegroom, sat on the other side but no longer knew the hunter. So he doesn't recognize him, I think. And now, at this very moment, the seven heads of the dragon were brought in as a spectacle and the king said, The seven heads were cut off the dragon by the marshal. Therefore, today I give him my daughter as wife. The hunter stood up, opened the seven mouths and said, Where are the seven tongues of the dragon? This is like a courtroom (laughs) scene. Then the marshal was terrified and grew pale and knew not what to answer. And at length in his anguish said, Dragons have no tongues. The hunter said, Liars ought to have none, but the dragon's tongues are the tokens of the victor. (laughs) And he unfolded the handkerchief and there lay all seven inside it. Yeah. And he put each tongue in the mouth to which it belonged, and it fitted exactly. Wait, okay, you can't <laughs> remember which one's which. Jeez. Had to take it too far, didn't you? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Then he took the handkerchief, on which the name of the princess was embroidered. Do you remember? It was all that oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was offended, but no, it's all worked out. <laughs> it's worked out swimmingly. And showed it to the maiden, and asked to whom she had given it, and she replied, To the man who killed the dragon. And then he called his animals and took the collar off each of them and the golden clasp from the lion and showed them to the maiden and asked to whom they belonged. She answered, the necklace and golden clasp were mine, but I divided them among the animals who helped to conquer the dragon. It's literally like a of scene. It really is. It really is. And where were you on the night of the seventh? <laughs> but that would be impossible, sir, for I was in a different <laughs> town. So yeah, so she said that was, that was mine, that necklace. Yeah. Then the hunter said, when I, tired with the fight, was resting and sleeping, the marshal came and cut off my head. <laughs> <laughs> then he... <laughs> I like... Oh, you're losing them again. You're losing them again. <laughs> Everyone just looks at each other like what? <laughs> then he carried away the king's daughter and pretended that it was he who had killed the dragon. But with the tongues, the handkerchief and the necklace... I prove that he lied. And then he related how his animals had healed him by means of a wonderful route, and how he had travelled about with them for one year, and had at length again come there and had learnt the treachery of the marshals by the innkeeper's story. (laughs) (laughs) Just to catch your grace out, what has been happening previously on The (laughs) Hunter? On my life. (laughs) Then the king asked his daughter, Is it true that this man killed the dragon? And she answered, Yes, it is true. Now I can reveal the wicked deed of the marshal as it has come to light, for he wrung from me a promise to be silent. For this reason, however, I made the condition that the marriage should not be solemnized for a year and a day. Then the king bade twelve councillors to be summoned who were to pronounce judgment on the marshal, and they sentenced him to be torn to pieces by four balls. <laughs> He was like, what? (laughs) That's not a thing. Can't you just hang me? No, no, four balls. Four balls. (laughs) It is our way. (laughs) The marshal was therefore executed, but the king gave his daughter to the hunter and named him as viceroy over the whole kingdom. The wedding was celebrated with great joy, and the young king sent for his father and his foster father and loaded them with treasures. So that's his his original poor broom-making dad and his hunter-foster father. Yeah. But... Someone's missing missing. him. He sent for the innkeeper too and said, Now, Sir Host, I've married the king's daughter and your house and yard are mine. (laughs) From, From the bet earlier. Oh, he got that in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The host replied, Yes, according to justice, it is so. But the young king said... It shall be done according to mercy. And told him that he should keep his house and yard and gave him the thousand pieces of gold as well. Oh, he's oh, a good guy. He's a good guy. <sighs> there we go. Wow. That's... Uh, it's all worked out swimmingly worked for a moment, Except there's someone missing. There is, yeah. Hmm. And now the young king and queen were thoroughly happy and lived in gladness together. He often went out hunting because it was a delight to him, and the faithful animals had to accompany him. In the neighbourhood, however, there was a forest, of which it was reported that it was haunted, and that whoever entered it did not easily get out again. (laughs) It's not over, Adam. No, it's not over yet, boy. Throwing a haunted forest into the mix. The young king, however, had a great inclination to hunt in it, and let the old king have no peace until he allowed him to do so. So he rode forth with a great following, And when he came to the forest, he saw a snow white deer and said to his people, wait here until I return. I want to chase that beautiful creature. And he rode into the forest after it, followed only by his animals. The attendants halted and they waited until evening, but he did not return. So they rode home and told the young queen that the young king had followed a white deer into the enchanted forest and had not come back again. (laughs) And she's like, oh, goodness sake. Like pull, pull the other one. <laughs> He's got drunk with a lion again, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't cover for him. Then she had the greatest concern about him. Now she's worried about him. Yeah. And he, however, had still continued to ride on and on after the beautiful wild animal and had never been able to overtake it. When he thought that it was near enough to aim, he instantly saw it bound away into the far distance and at length it vanished altogether. And now he perceived that he had penetrated deep into the forest and blew his horn, but he received no answer, for his attendants couldn't hear it. And as night too was falling, he saw that he could not get home that day, so he dismounted from his horse, lighted himself a fire near a tree, and resolved to spend the night by it. Nice. While he was sitting by the fire, and his animals were lying down beside him, it seemed to him that he heard a human voice. He looked around, but could perceive nothing. Soon afterwards he heard a groan as if from above, and then he looked up and saw an old woman sitting in the tree, who wailed unceasingly. <laughs> oh, how cold I am, <laughs> said he. Come down and warm yourself if you're cold. <laughs> but she said, No, your animals will bite me. He answered, "They'll do you no harm, old mother. Do come down. Come on. She, however, was a witch and said, No. I'll throw down a wand from the tree, and if you strike them on the back with it, they will do me no harm. Then she threw him a small wand, and he struck them with it, and instantly they lay still and were turned into stone. No. And when the witch was safe from the animals, she leapt down and touched him also with a wand and changed him to stone. Thereupon she laughed and dragged him and the animals into a vault, where many more (laughs) such stones already lay. No. Captured by a witch. Turned to stone. Yeah. Kidding. Very peculiar scene. Really weird. <laughs> Very weirdly played out. He's just settled down for the night. Oh, there's an old woman crying in the tree. <laughs> oh, just talk, just pop catch that wand and tap the animals. Otherwise they'll bite me. Turn to stone. Hmm. This is not a good situation. Oh, this is a, this is not looking good. No, this, this, is, is, an t- low, <laughs> this is an all time low, I think. It's an all all time low. Yeah i can't see a way out of it to be i honest. can't well, the s <laughs> well as however the young king did not come back at all the queen's anguish and care grew constantly greater mm. and it so happened that at this very time the other brother who had turned to the east when they separated came into the kingdom he'd sought a home and had found none and had then traveled about here and there and had to make his animals dance. Then it came <laughs> wait, wait wait, wait. he did the exact same thing. yeah. yeah, so he he never found a home. he'd never settled. he'd just been traveling the whole time. Wow, but now he's in the kingdom. she, she are they identical? Yes, they are, so they're as like like as a drop of water, whatever that might mean. Uh-huh. I assume it means they're pretty much identical. I think so. yeah. I think you're a few steps ahead, Adam. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're a few too many steps ahead. <laughs> so yeah, so he'd been traveling with his, anim- his da- animals making them dance. Yeah. And then it came into his mind that he would just go and look at the knife that they'd thrust into the trunk of a tree Good idea. at their parting so that he could learn how his brother was. Yeah. When he got there, his brother's side of the knife was half rusted and half bright. Then he was alarmed and thought, He's a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) A great misfortune must have befallen my brother. But perhaps I can still save him, for half the knife is still bright. He and his animals travelled towards the west, and when he entered the gate of the town, the guard came to meet him and asked if he was to announce him to his consort, the young queen, who had for a couple of days been in the greatest sorrow about his staying away and was afraid he'd been killed in the enchanted forest. Because the sentries, Adam, indeed, thought no otherwise than that he was the young king himself, for he looked so like him and had wild animals running behind him. I mean, you would think they were the same person. You wouldn't think, oh, that's someone that looks exactly like the young king and also has the exact same animals running behind him. But think for him. So he's just turned up at this kingdom and the sentries like, would you like me to escort you to the queen? She's been very worried about you. And he's like, (laughs) uh... Yes. Yes I would. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, I would. I'd be worried about her too. <laughs> How's she doing? <laughs> and then well and then he saw that they were speaking of his brother and he thought mm. it will be better if I pass myself off as him Wait. and then I can rescue him more easily. That, that's what is the logic <laughs> no. there? What is the logic? So he allowed himself to be escorted into the castle by the guard and was, <laughs> and was received with the greatest joy. Oh At, no, my brother's in mortal peril. I'll just steal his identity quickly and then... Uh, <laughs> honey, I'm home! <laughs> the young queen... You seemed different. <laughs> the young queen indeed thought that he was her husband oh, no. and asked him why he'd stayed away so long. He answered, I lost myself in a forest and could not find my way out again any sooner. At night, he was taken to the royal bed. But he laid... <laughs> this is so insane. But he laid a two-edged sword between him and the young queen. She did not know what that could mean, but did not venture to ask. <laughs> so they're in bed with a big sword between Oh, them. my love. I'm just going to pop this here. Don't come near me. He remained in the palace a couple of days and in the meantime, inquired into everything which related to the enchanted forest. And at last he said, I must hunt there once more. The king and the young queen, so he sort of figured out where his brother's probably gone. The king and the young queen wanted to persuade him not to do it, but he held out against them and went forth with a large following. When he got into the forest, everything happened with him as with his brother. He saw a white deer and he said to his people, stay here and wait until I return. I want to chase the lovely wild beast. And then he rode into the forest and his animals ran after him. But he could not overtake the deer and got so deep into the forest that he was forced to pass the night there. And when he had lighted a fire, he heard someone <laughs> wailing above him. Oh, how cold I am. Then he looked up and the same witch was sitting in the tree. Uh-oh. Said he, if you're cold, come down, little old mother, and warm yourself. She answered, no, your animals will bite me. <laughs> and then she was like, deja vu. But he said, they will not hurt you. Then she cried, I'll throw you down a wand. And if you strike them with it, they will do me no harm. Oh, man! You've got to see through this. You've got to see through this. When the hunter heard that, he had no confidence in the old woman Hmm. and said, I will not strike my animals. Come down or I will fetch you. Then she cried, what do you want? You shall not touch me. But he replied. If you do not come down, I'll shoot you. Oh, yeah, here we go. She said, "Mm, shoot away. I do not fear your bullets. Then he aimed and fired at her. But the witch was proof against all leaden bullets and laughed and yelled and cried. You shall not hit me. (laughs) This is mental. There's a bulletproof witch in a tree. (laughs) The hunter knew what to do. (laughs) Tore, <laughs> no he didn't tore, well he, did, he knew exactly what to do at him yeah. he tore three silver buttons off his coat and loaded his gun with them for against them her arts were useless and when he fired she fell down at once with a scream Not silver buttons no then he set his foot on her and said <laughs> it's like an action <laughs> yeah. film it's like got his foot on her like a witch if you do not instantly confess where my brother is I'll seize you with both my hands and throw you into the fire it has gone all Clint Eastwood. He really has. Are you feeling lucky? <laughs> Are you a witch? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Did I put three, three buttons or... Four? <laughs> she was in a great fright and begged for mercy and said, He and his animals lie in a vault, turned to stone. Then he compelled her to go there with him, threatened her and said... Old witch, now you shall make my brother and all the human beings lying here alive again, or you shall go into the fire. And the animals, excuse me. She took a wand and touched the stones, and then his brother with his animals came to life again. And many others, merchants, artisans and shepherds arose thanked him for their deliverance and went to their homes. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Bye. They're just filing out. Cheers. Oh, thanks. Th- that's like, no, that's all right. No worries. Yeah. Th- thanks. No, thanks. you're welcome, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cheers. Bye. But when the twin brothers saw each other again, they kissed each other and rejoiced with all their hearts. Then they seized the witch, bound her and laid her on the fire. And when she was burnt, the forest opened of its own accord <laughs> and was light and clear. And the king's palace could be seen at about the distance of a three-hour walk. <laughs> Wait, what? What? What?
1: So how, it's a magical, it's a
0: magical forest that doesn't really exist, I guess. And once the witch burnt up the woods, went <laughs> like that's about a three-hour walk, I reckon. <laughs> After this, the two brothers went home together, and on the way, told each other their histories. And when the youngest said that he was ruler of the whole country in the king's stead. So he's just telling him, "Oh, you know, I became the king." Yeah. The other observed, "That I learnt very well. For when I came to the town and was taken for you, all royal honours were paid me. The young queen looked at me as her husband, and I had to eat her side and sleep in your bed." When the other heard that, he became so jealous and angry that he drew his sword and struck off his brother's head. What? But when he saw him lying there dead and saw his red blood flowing, he repented most violently. <laughs> My brother, save me, cried he, and I have killed him for it. And he bewailed him aloud. You've just got an anger management problem. Then his hair came and offered to go and bring some of the root of life. <laughs> He's like... <sighs> Do you want me to get some of that hair later? Please, could you? I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and he bounded away and brought it while there was still time. And the dead man was brought to life again and knew nothing about the wound. <laughs> That's handy. So he didn't he had no idea what had just happened. No. He's like, did I just pass out for a yeah, second? Yeah. Like, no. No, what are you talking about? Come on. After this, they journeyed onwards, and the youngest said, "You look like me. Have royal apparel on as I have, and the animals follow you as they do me. We will go in by opposite gates and arrive at the same time from the two sides in the aged king's presence." The other one's like, all right, that sounds good. So yeah, they, what? They like, did he not say why? Why No, he's just his brother. Trust him. Yeah. So they separated. And at the same time came the watchman from the one door and from the other. And announced that the young king and the animals had returned from the chase. So the king's in the hall with the queen. Yeah. And two watchmen arrive at the same time going, the king's arrived at the east gate and the west gate. And they're like, what? Yeah. It's like happening in stereo. The king said, it's not possible. The gates lie quite a mile apart. In the meantime however the two brothers entered the courtyard of the palace from opposite sides and both mounted the steps so they've seen they can see there's two of them they're yeah. seeing double and the king said to the daughter say which is your husband each of them looks exactly like the other i cannot tell and she was in the greatest distress and couldn't tell i mean what's she going to do here um flip a coin <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to think how she can tell them apart but at last she remembered the necklace which she had given to the animals. And she sought for and found her little golden clasp on the lion. And she cried in her delight, He who is followed by this lion is my true husband. And the lion's like, what is that? Sorry, I'm just sad hell, a little. Bit. I'm, I'm a little bit too. You can't king. Then the young king laughed and said... <laughs> Yes, he is the right one. And they sat down together and ate and drank and were merry. At night when the young king went to bed, his wife said, why have you, for these last nights, always laid a two-edged sword in our bed? I thought you had a wish to kill me. And then he knew how true his brother had been. The end. That was a long one. Yeah. That was, that was crazy long. Don't say I didn't warn you. I loved it. You loved it? I loved it. I'm glad. It, it was worth it then. How can you not love it? Yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? it was really good. Oh, I'm really glad. It, I'm really glad. I thought it could go either way. I thought it just might not work, but it worked, didn't it? It really did work. I think... And at its worst, <laughs> at its worst points, it's when you get stuck into a formula and you're like, "Yes, okay, I know what's happening here, but I know it's got to happen for like six more times. So let's just, yeah, here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the bee stung the hair's nose. Like, finally, they <laughs> yeah. managed to do it. They're all yeah. getting the different parts of the meal and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was a bit... But, you but that's enjoy, like yeah. the, that's the worst you could say about it. Other than that, what a, what a rip roaring story. That is fantastic. Massive, isn't it? It's got so many things in one place. Uh, Yeah, well, uh, just in, yeah, a genre bending story. Oh, there's there's rom com elements. Yeah, there's like farce elements. There's epic fights with dragons. There's betrayal, but like Shakespearean, familial betrayal. There's oh, it's got everything. You're so right. Oh, it's great. I mean, there's and there's some really crazy stuff in there as well. Really crazy. Quite grown up stuff. Yeah. We've got sliced out tongues. Yep. Beheadings left, right and centre. Putting the head on backwards. Amazing. A brother with his sister's wife. Yep. A burnt witch. Dancing animals. Yeah. And a wine tasting event <laughs> with a drunken lion. Yeah. I mean, it's just unreal. The things that are packed into that story. Does it feel to you? Okay. Yeah. So, longest story in the Grimm's collection. Yeah. Does it feel to you a bit like a greatest hits? No. Interesting. No, it doesn't. And it could so easily have. And yeah. a lot of other stories we've read have felt like that. Mm. Because, of course, you can kind of break all these stories down, rip them down to their constituent parts and mm. reconfigure them. This obviously does do that, but... yeah. It didn't feel like that It does hang together as a a sort of its own story. I think so, yeah. I mean, I guess you're alluding here to similarities we've come across before. Yeah. Do you have any in mind? Well, I I do not necessarily. I'm sure if I thought about them, but I'm just thinking we have animal stories. We have, you know, a a young man getting a princess, uh, marrying a princess story. You've got Mm. witches and, you know, it's got all these elements, these different tropes Mm-hmm. but uh i'm trying to think okay you've obviously got some in mind some i do yeah similarities with other stories it hopefully will jog your memory okay so i i agree obviously there are lots of little individual motifs that we find in different places but uh this story is very similar to a particular story that we've already heard from the Grimms. Mm-hmm. the gold children uh it's a while ago we did it, it was a while ago. This is basically a much bigger version of the same story. They go on some adventures, don't they? Yeah, so I'll very briefly recap that. So for complicated reasons, uh, like a fisherman and his wife, I think, have two children who are, are made of gold, two golden boys, and they go off one day, but they have two lilies in their front garden that if one of them is unwell or gets into trouble, the lily will wilt. Similar to the knife. Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, they go off. They get separated. Which happens here. One of them then marries like a maiden in from a village. He gets captured by a witch in a forest because he goes off hunting and he gets turned to stone. The other brother sees that the lily has wilted and goes and kills the witch. I think with a a bow and arrow this time. And rescues his brother. I did not remember that at all. Yeah. So... I feel like if I would remembered that story, I would have made that connection, but I don't remember that at all. Okay. So that's the main similarity. I, I thought of a few other Vega similarities. So there's the, the golden bird at the beginning. We literally had a story called the golden bird. Yeah. And a uh, golden bird popped up in another sort of sub story as well. It did. Yeah. Uh, there's even a smidge of Puss in Boots in there when he asks to be sent nice clothes in a carriage. That happens in Puss in Boots. Like, you kind of get the poor boy oh, trying to marry the yeah. princess finding a way to get all dressed up nicely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we've already had another um, sort of sibling adventure story. Yeah. They're the same ATU type as well. Okay. Uh, type 303, the Blood Brothers. Blood Brothers. So Stories about these two brothers going on an adventure and then getting separated and coming back. Okay. And I thought, like, the Gold Children and, and this one are kind of about, like siblings reaffirming their bond with each other. Yeah. Uh, And in this one, though, we have the sort of very heavy-handed jealousy at the end, which we thought was quite interesting, which we didn't get in The Gold Children. No, and that was great, that bit. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? It was really good. And of course, the Brothers Grimm were two brothers. Yeah. So the Brothers Grimm are uh, Wilhelm and Jacob. Yep. uh, But they actually had two other brothers, Ferdinand and Ludwig, uh, so I just thought, you know, perhaps the Brothers Grimm are drawn to these stories. That's why maybe we have two very similar stories about these blood brothers. They're like um, stories of brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can see that. Because if you were to re-listen to the Gold Children, you'd you'd hear the similarities. Yeah, I'm sure I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting that it, the story starts with two different brothers. Uh, and mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually... That was just this little bit at the beginning of the story yeah. that we didn't revisit at all, like the the goldsmith or whatever he was, goldsmith and a broom maker. Yeah, mm. sort of what didn't end up being relevant at all, really, to the rest of the story. That feels like a lifetime. It I really hope. does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's because it was. Are they still <laughs> finding gold under their pillow? The, the, That's the other brothers. So true. Completely forget about that. Yeah. So they didn't need to make their animals dance no. for money. Hang on. Hang I was on. really enjoying this until we just fell into that massive plot hole. That was a completely unnecessary detail. Yeah. Interesting. And what happened to their dogs? Yeah, yeah. They disappeared as well. Yeah. I mean, that might make sense. So I'm going to keep things very brief okay. here tonight uh, for obvious reasons. But um, maybe that makes sense when we learn a little bit about the construction of the story, which okay. is what I will go into okay. briefly. Um, uh, one other thing I thought, though, First dragon. Yes. And coming hot on the heels of our first ever giant in the Valiant Little table. yeah. It feels like the fairy tale world is just all of a sudden opening up. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah. I'd say there's more action in this than we're used to. Definitely. The dragon fight and then the witch fight. Full-on fight scenes, which we don't normally get that much descriptive action. I feel like, We would have thought that we would when we started this journey through fairy tales. I would have expected more of that. But we never actually get like, and then the dragon rushed him and he swung his sword. We never get that. It's what you might think of fairy tales before we'd started this journey. And so it actually, it sort of scratches an itch that's been left unscratched so far, I would say. Do you not think? Totally, yeah. I think this I think is it was a, great fun. an epic adventure, the likes of which we've not had. We've had long <laughs> stories. We've had mad ones. Yes. But this is something else, Yeah, again. I wow. Think. Oh, I'm so glad you've been enjoying it, Adam. Oh, no, I love it. Getting positive energy from you. It's just, it's, It's got so many good things going for it. Yeah. It's a genuinely clever story. There was some proper hmm. like, shock moments mm-hmm. that I audibly gasped at. And I thought, that's genius. The beheading? The, well, yeah, the beheading. And then it immediately became clear what his, the, uh, the marshal's plan was. He's, got, he's killed this guy yeah. and he's going to pass off oh, his yeah. heroic act as his own. I was like, that's genius. That's, mm-hmm. oh, you can't do that. Dastardly. <laughs> um, oh, it's so good. And the, the brother, when I suddenly, when it twigged at the end, that, oh, wait, the brothers look exactly alike. And they've yeah. got the same animals following them. I know what's going to happen here. And ah oh, so good. He's going to end up in a bed. Then he, and then he finds out. I didn't expect that. He finds out about his brother and just cuts his head off. Yeah, because he got jealous. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And that's the thing. These characters are not just your standard pious heroes that we often yeah. see. They've got... <clears throat> angry sides and jealous sides Mm -hmm. and and a bit of hubris and yeah oh it's really good the characters nice are great well i think one of the best characters was the lion (laughs) i mean we love the lion i like the scene where he's doing a wine tasting and getting increasingly drunk and and slaps the (laughs) the the cupbearer around the head (laughs) who's told him you don't know anything oh shut Shut up up. give (laughs) that to me I, I was, was thinking that like he's down there with this like sommelier and he's like doing that classic <laughs> thing that that they do where it's like one uh, one hand's on the bottle of the wine the other's gent- <laughs> gently supporting the back of it tilting it at an angle it's wrapped what, in like a, what, a white what this towel do, sir? yeah <laughs> yeah it's like go on then and it you know swirl it, it pours out a little bit you swirl it around the glass have a taste no. Send it back. Pig squill. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that. Spits it in the Sommelier's face. <laughs> Get me the king's wine, you oaf. What is it he keeps saying? Stop it. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <No. laughs> Wrong wine. Oh. Me like more wine. <laughs> so good. Great. Oh, Adam. This is music to my ears. Good. It's a good hour and a half spent. <laughs> <Adam>. meant some. <Amentum. laughs> We don't have much time tonight, so let's just have a quick jaunt along the trail of the tale. Let's see where this story comes from. Oh, yeah. Very quickly and disciplinedly. Disciplinedly. Okay, the tale trail. Let's go. In terms of tracing this story through history, because it's so big and there's so many things going on in it, as you said, we could kind of go any which way and we could talk forever about Mm -hmm. it. So I thought, let's try and keep it as narrow as possible. So here's what the Grimm's had to say. We're going to follow their lead here. Okay. So they write in their annotations, for the main lines of our story, we are indebted to one from Paderborn, which is the simplest and most natural. So they're saying the main structure of their story is taken from a source from Paderborn, they say, which likely means it's from the von Haxhausen family. That's the main source for this story. Mm-hmm. We've come across them before. Several times. Yeah. No time to go into that now. No. However, they used other sources as well. From the point where the boys are adopted onwards by the hunter, yeah, uh, the Grimms say that they incorporated an excellent and detailed story from the Hessian Schwalm area. So that's another version of the story that they collected separately, uh, probably from uh, Ferdinand Siebert, is probably what they mean by that. Okay. So they're detailing how they've stitched this together. Absolutely. And in yeah. fact, it, it's a compilation of several different versions, which makes sense as to what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that post the uh adoption bit, it feels disjointed from the earlier part where with the gold coins and the pillow and the dogs, because we never hear of that again. Yeah. So you can see there maybe a slightly clunky join. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, as well as that, in their notes, they recount several other versions that they found, all variations of the same story. I think just within their area of Germany, they found them. So what they've done is they've made their own version with the sources that they liked and the bits that they liked. They've picked and chosen. Now, interestingly, many of those other versions that they collected, the brothers, uh, the heroes in those other versions, have names connected to water. In one version the brothers are called Water Peter and Water Paul. Well <laughs> they're connected to water. Very literally. Their names are connected to the word water. Another, John Water Spring and Casper Water Spring. <laughs> what is this? Or simply you're gonna love this one then. Gentle Spring and Strong Spring. Okay. I was expecting something a little more subtle. So it's interesting, so those are from stories from other German oral sources. And if you remember, in our one, right at the beginning, it says they were like each other as two drops of water. Yes. Which we commented on. We did. So they're the Water Brothers. They're the Water Brothers. The Grimms have toned it down in their final version that they compiled. But in other versions, very clear connection to water. I wonder why. No idea. Strange. Now, the Grimms also, they wrote about the connections this story has with stories from across literature and across storytelling back in time mm. like throughout the world from india to the middle east to like ancient mythology uh, of, of course there's clear connections here with like medieval european chivalric romance stories and Arthurian legend i don't think we have time so i know and i relegate that to our grim fables podcast at some point what's that well, that's our uh, patron-only uh, podcast for fans of Grim Reading. Ah, well explained. Thank you. But don't worry, because what we're going to do is instead go as far back in time as we possibly can. We're going to skip through all the other connections throughout history and literature that this story has and go right back. The Big Bang? To the Big Bang. <laughs> 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 to its earliest recorded relative which is a very, very ancient story indeed. There is a very clear relationship between the two brothers and an ancient Egyptian story Ooh. called The Tale of the Two Brothers. Similar title. I mean, it's, it's hidden in plain sight. So I'm going to very, very quickly sum it up for you. Okay. Are you Great. ready? Uh, I think so. you ready to go to ancient Egypt? Uh, yeah, okay, I'm ready. The tale of the two brothers. Okay, pay attention, right? Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race through this. Okay. There are two brothers. Yep. One called Anubis, mm-hmm. one called Bata. Yep. Older brother Anubis is married. Mm. One day, his wife propositioned Bata, his okay. brother. Bata refused and said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Mm. She was really angry, so she made herself look all beaten up and told her husband Anubis that Bata had tried to force himself on her. Oh, no. Anubis then swears that he's going to kill his brother. He hides behind the stable door waiting for Bata to drive his flock home. But as Bata enters the stables, the Lee's cow at the front warns him and says, your brother's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so Bata flees and Anubis is uh, chasing him down. Bata prays to Ra, the sun god, to help, to intervene and suddenly a mighty river erupts between the two of them cutting them off from each other. Oh, wow. Then they sort of shout, talk across the river. What? Can't hear you. <laughs> he tells him what you know. You tried it on with my wife. batter uh, to prove his innocence to his brother, slices off his own um, bits down below. Genitalia. That's the one. Thank you. Yeah. And Then he just throws that. That's not mess actually into proof the of anything, is it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it it looks like you got a guilty conscience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Removing evidence. <laughs> So he's got rid of that, chucked it in the river. Yeah, dismembered in the truest sense of the word. And tells him what happened. Yeah. And then he, and they, everybody calms down. And then he's... <laughs> and weird, this, "Well, everyone just calm down? <laughs> I've just cut your own. <laughs> I was upset about the cheating, but this <laughs> is something else. Anyway, so Battis says, look, brother Anubis, I'm going to go to the valley of the cedar woods. And I'm going to put my heart in a tree. <laughs> and if I die, go cut the tree down and you'll be able to find me and make me alive. And he tells him like, how to do that. And he says, you'll know I'm dead, brother, because you'll get a frothy beer. What? So anyway, Bata what? goes off. Anubis goes home and kills his wife. What? Then lots of mad stuff happens. Uh, <laughs> don't have enough time, though. But basically, Bata gets married to someone. And then his wife cheats on him with the pharaoh. Of Egypt. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And the wife and the pharaoh conspire against Bata, and they go and cut his tree down with his heart in it, which kills Bata. So Bata's like, ooh, God, and then he dies. How is... What? How is his heart in the tree and not in him? And he's alive? He put his heart in the tree. What? He just... He put his heart in the tree. I don't understand. Really just go with it, man. (laughs) Okay. It's from a different time. (laughs) The ancient hey, they, Egypt. they did things differently then. They really <laughs> they did. They could live without the hurt. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So, back back, back in the old place, back with Anubis. <laughs> yeah. One day, he's at out, out the pub. Oh, he yeah. He gets a frothy beer. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I know what that means. And he goes off in search of batter. He's like, I'll save you, brother. Yeah. After three years of searching, he finds the heart. Which is just, like, tumbled off of the felled tree. Yeah. Picks up the heart, puts it in a bowl of water, uh, does some... massages it, does some stuff, and Batter is back. He's resurrected. That, back? Back from, from the dead. Oh, I don't understand. They're reunited. Lovely jubbly. Yeah, great. Batter then turns himself into a bull and haunts his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> sort of saying, I know what you did, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, eventually... Uh, I'm really sort of racing through this. No, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> I know I'd love to elaborate on this story. I'd love to take our time, but we just can't. No. Uh, eventually he turns himself into a, a bay tree, a persia tree, I think it's called, persia, okay. under which his wife is one day, and then she gets a splinter, comes out of the tree, lands in her mouth, which she swallows. She gets pregnant. The pharaoh thinks it's his baby, and then she gives birth to batter what are you talking her yeah. ex-husband are you feeling <laughs> okay not really what she swallows a splinter gets pregnant and gives birth to her ex-husband what are you talking about so then that technically makes batter the prince what's <laughs> <laughs> oh, happening Am I yeah am I okay am I am I dreaming well have that, I been hit on the head well you know don't worry, about to wake up. The, the pharaoh dies. Bata grows up. Inherits the kingdom. <laughs> makes his brother the, like, vice president or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then they live happily ever after. That's the tale of the two brothers. Say, my head hurts. Mm. What, what, what happened? What look? It's been a long evening. Don't I, I shouldn't have lumbered you with that right at the end? Basile looks boring compared to that. <laughs> oh, wow, that's mental. Big words. We love Basile here on the podcast. Yeah. John Batista Basile, the uh, Neapolitan <laughs> fairy tale collector. Yeah, I mean, that, that is that's, quite something. That's another level. Yeah. That's... There's been a lot of fresh new stuff here tonight. There really has. I'd love to have taken that slower and gone through it in more detail. Yeah. But you can see the connection, right, to the two brothers. Totally, yeah. Not least in two brothers being separated and then having the sign to show their health, how it's going. Yep, you've got that. Yeah. You've got the love triangle element and sort of... um, (laughs) Um, Wife-swapping. I I just, I don't even know what to say. Listen, okay, right. You can zone out while I give you some more information and just digest it. it's broken my brain. So the tale of the two brothers, that story I just broke you with, (laughs) that dates back to the reign of Seti II in uh, the 19th dynasty of Egypt. The British Museum has a papyrus with the story on it. Wow. So papyrus, it's the papery-like material that Egyptian writings are found on. And is it written in hieroglyphs? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's called the Papyrus de Orbine. and it dates from on the, on the British Museum website. It says circa twelve fifteen BC. Wow. That's a whole other level. I mean, that seems weirdly specific to me. <laughs> it's not like a. Yeah. Can you carbon date? a bit papyrus to that level of accuracy well apparently so 1215 BC they wow. say which makes it 3200 years old that's crazy old that's yeah. that is crazy that's old, way which. before any of these fairy tales we're reading that's way before some of the eastern tales we've read that's way before even Aesop that's like yeah that's uh, I, think, I think that's about 400 years before Homer for example wow Yeah. It's just crazy. So, perhaps unsurprisingly, some people call it the oldest fairy tale in the world. Wow. And by that we mean written. Yeah. Because there's the idea that these fairy tales go even further back. They're always there, but every now and then you find a written document of it. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we actually, we had another ancient Egyptian fairy tale at some point. The Doomed Prince. Don't remember that. Okay. No worries. Don't worry. The Doomed Prince, it has uh, similarities to Sleeping Beauty, as well as Rapunzel and many other stories, actually. Okay. I mentioned it in our Sleeping Beauty episode, and then I told you the full story in our uh, Patreon podcast, episode 11. Okay. So, so it's quite a while yeah, back now. It was now. a while ago, yeah. They're both from quite similar times, mm. but uh, what I read is The Doomed Prince is from the eighteenth dynasty. And the tale of the two brothers is from the 19th dynasty. Uh, So I think that would make the doomed prince older. Sure. But not by much. Now, the doomed prince, I I don't know if this will ring any bells. It was uh, a papyrus that was found in Alexandria. And it was then partially destroyed in an explosion in a warehouse where it was being housed. So we don't have the ending of the story because it was burnt. No. Does that not ring any bells? Yeah, vaguely. It was pretty good. You should go have a listen to that. Wow. Episode 11, Grim Fables. But we have the ending of the tale of the two brothers, fortunately. I'm glad we do, because that was mental. That was absolutely mental. <laughs> but I, I do, it, you know, it's incredible to me that given how fairy tale-like both of those were, I know you don't remember The Doom Prince, but it was a similar deal. It's incredible. I, I was surprised that I couldn't find out more about them. Because, you know, as we've discovered, there are other ways to trace uh, origins of stories through, like, mm. complex modelling and whatnot. But in terms of the written word, this is as far back as it goes for fairy tales. These yeah. are ancient Egyptian stories. Wow. But I couldn't find much about them at all. You would think that stories like that would be more famous. A, just due to the fact that they're the oldest ones in the world, That's that's... That's noteworthy. Yeah. P, come on, <laughs> come on. That's a that's a story that will get anyone's attention. <laughs> I'm glad you like. That it. is begging for a film adaptation. Some sort <laughs> Can of you even like the some of the, the the weirdest end of like those weird indie slightly horror-y films that like a twenty four or something would put out. Yeah, it's a good folk horror. Yeah. Sort of blueprint. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, just just. A woman giving birth to her ex-husband alone as an image. <laughs> what on earth? I mean, again, you know, again, at risk of making this episode go on and on. We had something similar in. Uh, no, we didn't. We did in a Welsh myth that I told you about. Uh, we did. Myth of Kerodwen. With the um, with a transformation sequence in it, like a chase sequence. Yeah. yeah. And she swallowed a seed that the the person she was chasing transformed into, and then gave birth to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it became her son. Very That's odd. So weird. Yeah, very weird. Just to be clear, though, I wouldn't say this is the oldest story in the world. No, there are older stories, um, notably the Epic of Gilgamesh. But yeah, this is the oldest fairy tale because it has the qualities of a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, still incredible, amazing. And and to me, it feels like it. It, it kind of proves. Some of the Grimm's theories true as well because, I mean, perhaps, perhaps it was clear, it might be clear to some listeners that that tale of the two brothers had some crossover with mythology. Like one of the brothers was called Anubis, who's a, a, a god, an Egyptian god. Same right. with Batas, another Egyptian god. And that perhaps shows that you kind of extricate from myth these stories that kind of slowly become separated from myth. Yeah. And um, secularized. And then you have these sort of different narratives sort of circulating throughout different populations, throughout world society for thousands of years. And I can't think of any better proof of that than these old papyri. Yeah. Papyri. Papyruses. 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 So the scoring, so this is the part of the podcast where uh, Matt and I each uh, score the story we just heard out of 10 each, uh, just based on how we're feeling at the time. This is going to be a high scorer. Excellent news. It has to be. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of time has passed between (laughs) this point and... Starting to hear the story, <laughs> so some of it feels like a distant memory now. But uh, I love—I love so many different elements of the story. I love the animal bits; they're they're great, mm. and like the way that they're sort of loyal to each other, but also like that the characters are also richly drawn. It feels like mm-hmm. weirdly for a fairy tale. Mm. Uh, so that the, the the animals have interesting characteristics. The brothers are great. They're sort of a bit cocky, but also brave. But also jealous and quick to anger. Um, the 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 marshal. The marshal. The marshal, cutting his head off and stealing his valor. Amazing, so yeah. good. Um, Do you like the innkeeper? The innkeeper was great. I like an innkeeper. A little, little sort of like B plot, a little side story yeah. with the gambling and the and the I sort of like placing like the bets and and uh, like, pol- polishing a glass and giving some exposition as well. Yeah, it's like well, that's like that because they're getting married. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They promised after a year and a day. Oh, okay, thank you. But we don't need the exposition well, because we're made does. in the story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you think? I, I, well, my main concern was going to be that it was too long. Did it feel too long, or did it? Did were you totally absorbed in it? Or? I was totally absorbed. As I said before, like the bits where I was less absorbed is where they it goes into a, um, a sort of repetitive sequence. Mm-hmm. You had the animals going to get the uh, get the meal. Mm. You had the animals one by one telling each other they're gonna like keep watch and then falling asleep and telling <laughs> someone else. I'm sure there was another instance as well, mm-hmm. like. That was where I was like, okay, that you could speak this along a little bit. But in a way, it did kind of add to it. It still kind of added to it. But like, particularly with those animals, they're like... So it sounds like it wasn't too long. No, I really don't think it was. And Amazing. I think it was, it's an epic. Well, it's, I mean, that's the highest praise you could give this story. If the yeah. longest one in the collection didn't feel yeah. like a slog, yeah. then that means it was great. Other shorter stories have felt like more of a slog. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so many parts to the story. Yeah, it's hard to know where to and it, start. Really, sometimes, sometimes it's great when you get near the end of a story, and you go, you suddenly remember the beginning of the story, and you're like, Yeah, oh wow, I'd even forgotten about that character. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, there's so much going. You know, there's so many like interesting narrative situations and constructions, yeah. like the sort of vague love triangle, yeah. and that kind of when you find those interesting setups and, you know, I think different people respond differently to different parts. Like obviously the bit with the Valor and the Marshal, like yeah. really like you responded oh, to that. yeah. I like the lion doing wine tasting. Yeah. You know, there's, <laughs> there's so much going on in there. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I did wonder if the animals maybe didn't fully come together. A bit like you were saying, like the way they're used is just sort of often in these long chains of misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. And that bit with the him sending the animals to the castle to get the food. You know, before we recorded, I thought maybe that would be the most fun bit that you liked the most, but I didn't feel like that at all. I feel like you enjoyed the like the dragon fight and yeah. other bits more than that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the animals might have let us down a little bit in that respect. Maybe, but I it, it feels like minor quibbles. Yeah. 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 I really liked it. I think we can't go on about this forever. No. It's been a long episode. I'm going to have to give you my score and. Sure. Well, I was just going to say, I could let you know what you gave the Gold Children. Okay. But you don't remember the Gold Children. So I don't. that's probably not going to help at all. <laughs> but also, I feel like this is, even though I don't remember it, I feel confident in saying this is way better than the Gold Children. Yeah. You gave the Gold Children 5.5. This is way better. Than all right. That. Let's way hear Way better. Let's not even hear close. It. I'm gonna give this a nine. Hey, hey, it's gotta be it's gotta be a nine. Fantastic news! Yeah, you I'm happy with that? I'm very happy. That, with that that's not a left field score, right? That that you 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 obviously we're gonna come to your score. You might score it slightly differently, but yeah, that's not that's not way out, is it? I haven't given a a, 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 four, a like a story that's a four a nine, have I? It's not a Frederick and Catherine no, situation. basically, Don't worry. yeah. You're safe. No, that sounds good to me. That sounds right. I think this one really came down to how it went down on the night, as it yeah. often does. Because I thought this, this could be a disaster, potentially. If yeah. it doesn't go down well, then we're in for a bit of an unpleasant evening. You're just going to have yeah. to sit through <laughs> yeah. this painful because once situation. you started you've got to finish the story <laughs> but yeah. i could see you were totally into it totally and that just helped the story feel more alive and it i feel like it worked really really well so yeah, yeah i mean you you've said it all really uh, so i gave the gold children a 6 half a point more than you we and we said at the time about the gold children when we gave those middling scores we said maybe it lacked spark right I think this has got spark in droves. It's like an odyssey. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I'd say is it it is long. It's really long. And a fairy tale in my mind should be, or, you know, Grimm's fairy tale should be a bit shorter, a bit sparky and quicker. But I really enjoyed it. I think uh, on the history of it, with the fairy tales, often we can only trace it as far back as Basile or Straparola, these early Italian uh, collections in Europe. Yeah. And then perhaps there's like a thematic link to an ancient Greek or Viking myth. Yeah. But here, we get to go all the way back to ancient Egypt over 3,000 years to perhaps the very first fairy tale ever recorded or one of. Yeah. Or, or, you know, something that resembles a fairy tale. And I I just find that absolutely mind-blowing. I think Mm -hmm. that adds to it even more because it's just extraordinary, really. And just to say as well, for more on that, if you want to hear more about the tale of the two brothers, I'd point you to the fantastic History of Egypt podcast. They did an episode just on the tale of the two brothers. Oh, wow. We'll put a link in the description. I'm going to listen to that. It was great. That sounds good. So, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Mm. I, I want to give it a high score. I don't think I'm going to go with nine. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about an eight or an 8.5. I think I'm thinking, <sighs> am I going to regret if I go eight? I'm just worried. I'm, as ever, I'm worried that when I listen back, it won't be as good. Um, so, you know what? I digress massively. I'm I'm stalling for time. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Hey, look at that. So, that is a 17.5 out of 20 wow. for the two brothers. Thoroughly deserved. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it is. really is. Well deserved. Whew. It's been a long one, Matt. What an evening. I mean, the fire's died down over it, here. It has. It's getting a little bit chilly. My back's getting a little bit achy. All right. I think it's time. I can take a hint. Yeah. Well, what a fantastic uh, evening we've had. It's, uh, it's looking like, Adam, this will be our last Brothers Grimm story of the year. Mm. A good one to end on, I think. Definitely. Next episode will be an interview that we did. With the author and travel writer, Nick Jubber, about his book, The Fairy Teller. Which you've mentioned on the podcast before. And then that will be followed by our annual Christmas party episode. Looking forward to that. I can't believe we're at that time of year already. I know. I know. Well, uh, I guess I'll see you for our Christmas party, Adam. I look forward to it. We'll have uh, a nice spread out on the table by the fire. As ever. Uh, a nice Christmas story at the ready. Make sure that you stock up on some new logs when I'm back next. Oh, don't as you well. worry. Don't you worry. All right. Well, I'll see you then. Can't wait. Go get warm and uh, keep it grim. Keep it grim. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to Patreon.com/GrimReading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, at grimreading. You can find us on podbean, podbean.com, slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Then she summoned her confectioner. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> then she summoned her confectioner. A confectioner. <laughs> <laughs> Who can make the delicious pastry? I've never said that word out loud. Then she summoned her confectioner. 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 Then he took the handkerchief on which... Handkerchief? Handkerchief? Handkerchief. Hanky. Handkerchief. 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 That was very unhelpful, but thank you.